welcome to podcast. I'm Cash, your host, and every week I bring you another guest from a different walk of life to give us their story and tips to combat the shit that life loves to throw our way. For my first ever guest, I've got a truly great sport. He started to work on his dream and work around family and his job to achieve it, which I found so inspirational in my life right now. As well as being a podcaster, I'm a mum, a wife, a cleaner, a worker, and there's definitely times I wonder if I'm doing the right thing, pursuing my passion when I've got so many other things taking up my time. But I learned that as long as you plan ahead and you organise things right, you can find a way to juggle it all and it can be done. So for my first guest of my brand new podcast, this is TJ Kiss. Hi, TJ. Hey, Cassie. How are you? I'm not bad, thank you. I'm so excited for our conversation. Oh, me too. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me on. I'm really, really honored. This is my first ever uh, podcast appearance. So, uh, Ooh, I've, been, so I'm I've been thinking about it all ch- week. I'm popping the cherry, am I? <laughs> uh, yeah, you certainly are. Yes. <laughs> so you are a filmmaker. That is correct. Um, Writer and filmmaker. Yes. I have been watching them on your YouTube channel, which is uh-huh. Kiss It Goodbye Kiss Productions. It. That's right. Kiss It Goodbye Productions. With the last name Kiss, I had to use something catchy with the title. I just had to. It would be a waste of a last name if I didn't use it. Oh, hell yeah. I completely agree. And the one thing that I got from yours was that your endings are always unexpected. Well, yeah, uh, that's kind of the plan, especially <laughs> with the little shorts, you know. If oh, yeah. Short, they got to have something really that really gets you at the end there. When it gets started, you feel like you know what's going to come. And then the ending, you're just like, yeah, I didn't see that one coming at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite one was the shortage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites for sure. I was really, really, when I wrote that one, I was like, all right, this one I like, I like a lot. It worked really well. <laughs> and it's. You know, it fits in with current affairs, so you can't say that you're not modern. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, I tried to, and I released those all, that whole little series, Scary Monsters, all throughout October leading up to Halloween. Yeah. So it was kind of like I was doubling down on uh, COVID and supply chain issues and all that kind of stuff, as well as the holiday, which sort of just, you know, broaden the, the, the viewership. Yeah. I love the, um, the intro to the Scary Monsters series when you shoot it in black and white. That's a really cool idea that you don't really see very often. Yeah, well, you know, because originally I thought when I was writing those, I thought they were going to be, they would be like fantastic, like a cartoon, like uh, uh, an, uh, an adult swim, an adult cartoon um, yeah. would be, it would be ideal for that. You could have a lot of fun with it. And obviously as somebody who's an independent content creator like myself, I got no budget nor talent to do any sort of animation. <laughs> So I had to sort of improvise and I did go with the live action, but in, you know, looking at different filters and stuff, they have the the ink filter on the editing software and it made it look animated basically. And I was like, you know what, that's, even if nobody else likes it, I'm going to like the fact it's going to feel good to me. <laughs> now, and I had a little bit of animation in there, even in the intro. So it's not quite animation, but it looks, it came out great. It really looks fantastic. Um, it did. It really did. And I like the fact that even with the intro, you're getting things that you didn't expect, like... When you see the mummy, like the first time you see him, he's like roaring. And then he goes into doing a, a push up. 
Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, cause I kind of, I looked at it and I was like, okay, the whole, the whole series is basically these famous movie monsters in our world now and what it would be like in the situation they would be in. So I wanted to show them sort of in what we classically view them as doing. So like, you know, there's there's the witch holding the broom and cackling, and then she just actually just starts sleeping. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, there's Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein walking, you know, towards the camera, you know, st- almost stalking it, and then they just stop, and, and the bride takes something and throws it on Frankenstein and goes <laughs> away, just like a real husband and wife would do. So that was the kind of the whole a microcosm of the series into each character's intro. And it was a, it was a nice little way to sort of, you know, being a four part little series, something I've never done before. Yeah. I wanted to have some way to sort of kind of also tie them all together since uh, I, I did not have to be able to have overlapping characters and stuff like that with yeah. the time constraints I had. I kind of like the fact that in this day and age where you look at old characters and old stories and a lot of them just get censored and, they're not brought into the modern world and you've managed to set these old characters and old stories, give them a modern twist and bring them right into this century. It's a really fantastic idea. So oh, thank you. Thank you. My, uh, my co-writer and I, Phil, um, a good friend, used to be a, a, a server of mine at a, at a restaurant that we both worked at when I was the general manager there. He, um, he sent me a picture of, he said it was, on, the, it was on, a, on a walk in the woods with his son and there were just like seven or eight random tree stump so the trees were gone they were cut down randomly out of nowhere just in this middle he was like what if break a witch a witch has to protect her spells by burying it underneath the tree (laughs) and the only way to get it to stop is to cut the tree down and i was like you know that's a great idea and i said we should make a universe out of this (laughs) and that's where that was the seed so then that first story came came and then i'm like now let's do something with frankenstein let's do something with draculas and and, and a mummy. And the, the mummy one was obviously easy with the toilet paper. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I know exactly where I'm going to go with this story. <laughs> I love the uh, the Frankenstein in marriage therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that was actually the first the first one we shot. I shot that one in July with plans of like, all right, I'll shoot one in July, one in August, one in September, and one at the very beginning of October. Uh, and then life happens, you know, and uh, yeah. And, you know, kids and mortgages and jobs and all that <laughs> stuff. And then I was like, it was like September 19th. And I'm like, I have not shot any more of these. This is not good. So then you just had to gather it all together, really push forward. And, and we were able to get it all done with, uh, you know, some, some really great actors and a lot of, a lot of help from friends and family, as far as some location stuff and stuff like that, which I don't know if you could tell almost all my things have been shot in my home. I don't know if you could tell the consistency. Yeah. There, yeah. I did spot a certain someone in the movies as well. Was you acting in them as well? Ah, uh, yes, I have. I have <laughs> made a couple appearances in uh, my my first two shorts I made. I did not. I mean, I have I have no resume. I have nothing. I'm like, if I try to contact an actor, they'd be like, get lost. Now. All right. Uh, so I'm like, I gotta I gotta be in it. So I got, and then my co writer Phil was in the first one. What to do as well, and then I acted in the second one. Tonight's the night, and then that one. The Dexter parody was got a lot of views for me. And it's sort of that's when I started to able to kind of get people who are actually acting, you know, yeah. either on the side or or and or looking to be professional. Um yeah. and it just continued from there with each successive, you know, short that's come out. I've been able to to really broaden more of my acting pool to the point now where I'm working on making my 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 longest. Uh, short film at the end of March with 
you know, the whole cast is all, all, you know, real actors who are, you know, booking yeah. things and in things and all that kind of stuff. Like my biggest concern now with some of them is like, uh, I hate to say this, but I hope they don't get a paying gig at the same time because I, I can't <laughs> I can't compete with that because you know this is as independent as possible. So, but they all know that uh, if that happens, I mean, what am I going to say? I can't do that. I'm like, go. I mean, I yeah. would leave. If we <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have all this planned, if if uh, Kevin Feige called me and was like, hey, I want you to come work at Marvel, I'd be like, guys, see you later. I'm sorry, we'll do this another time. <laughs> I'll fit you in in my schedule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, if you ever go international and you come over to the UK, you know, there's a certain short little podcaster that doesn't mind stepping in every now and then if you want it. <laughs> hey, not a problem. You see, now you've opened the door and you'll be surprised <laughs> when in like eight, eight weeks you'll get some random email with a script and be like, hey, I don't even need to be in the same facility with you. We can, you could just record this. Maybe I'll do something with a podcaster. How about that? Well, that's fine. I mean, I've got a CV of school plays that I've been in, so I'm sure that's enough. Yeah, we I'll need to see the real, yes. <laughs> so I was actually looking on your profile and I've heard that you've won some awards for your films. Yes, so we did. Door Death, Door Death did win. Um, in, uh, it did make it into a couple film festivals. It did win um, uh, an award at the Medusa Film Festival as one of the, the uh, best shorts. Um, it, uh, it's streaming on the Troma Now app. That's the most successful short I've made to date. And that was with a lot of help of the the lead in that Steve Lewis um, with some of his connections through some of the work he's done through trauma. Um, yeah. He's a stand up comedian, actor, jack of all trades kind of guy. I used to go to, I used to, go to high school with him. So <laughs> we we weren't super close in high school. Our names are close together, last names. So our lockers were always really close. <laughs> and when I first started writing all this kind of stuff, um, he's one of the people I sent it out for feedback because he had been doing stand up for a while. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you're you're in the industry. And so we sort of reconnected after about, you know, 15, 20 years. And uh, now we've worked on a couple of things together. He was the mummy as well. Uh, and he's going to be helping me on some other stuff in the future. So it's funny how, when you reach back into your life, people, you don't, you never really thought you'd be having any sort of relationship or, or friendship with later in life for no particular reason. All of a sudden now it's somebody that you're like, wow, I rely on this person. And, and yeah. thank God I knew who this was, you know, you know, you just <laughs> don't know, you don't know. No, and it's don't not burn bridges. No, and it's not what you know, it's who you know as well. <laughs> yeah, very true. That's very true. That will never change. So which film won the uh, finalist 2021 for Beyond the Curve Film Festival? Door Death. Oh, that Door, Door Death. Death. Door Death is the, the horror short based about a, uh, a uh, food delivery driver who doesn't follow his specific strange instructions <laughs> and it ends up costing him in the... Uh, in the end, it's a it's a fun it's a fun little show. It was my first time to try to do something that wasn't just just funny. Yeah. Um, something that maybe try to get a little bit of a scare in there and stuff like that with some of the humor that I try to still have weaved into everything because that's what I like. So that's what I want to make. If if I like it, I hope other people will. And yeah, that that's that's definitely one of one of my favorites. One of the ones that really has uh, taken things to a, a, another level for me. So I went from like the basement. Now I'm like on the basement stairs. Yeah. And now hopefully I can get like almost to the basement door where I'm almost able to start knocking it. Um, <laughs> and then, and then keep trying to crawl my way up. It was absolutely fantastic. I, I watched door death and when I first started watching it, I was like, wow, this is not like the other ones. And it pulls you in. And I think the one bit that got me was when he was dropping off the delivery and the figures started appearing and the disappear. I hate that in any kind of movie. So <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh no. And they just kept appearing. I was like, oh no. 
<laughs> yeah, that it came out. Re- it came. It came out looking as well as I could have hoped. I was a little. That was one of the concerns on this. Is is uh, you know how how can I pull off some of the things that I would that I envisioned in my mind? Like I've trained my mind now at this point to be like, don't even think about that right now because you can't. <laughs> You can't have a massive explosion. That's impossible. There's no way you can do it. So just try to work on something else that has the similar effect. So, you know, I can't really have somebody, you know, turning into a monster. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a budget for all kinds of makeup and costumes and stuff like that. This was all yeah. like very, very much guerrilla style. So it was like, what's, what would, what would they have done in the old days? Now it's just like, okay, you know, if I pan the camera back and forth and have these characters appearing and disappearing, you know, I'm creating that effect that I'm looking for, which is the suspense of the character and like what is going on. And then, you yeah. know, having a pop up here and there. I had to, do, I, I did it. I think it works. And, you know, that's, that's the, the, the movie sort of magic that you have to come up with and, and little tricks that you can do. You know, even the, the, the shot where he's sitting at the red light and he looks into the rearview mirror and he sees them and then oh, he turns yeah. and they're gone. You know, that was just, you know, just cutting the two takes together, one with them in the back, one without. Uh, just having to edit it nicely so that you can't see the jump. Yeah. I think the one shot that really resonated with me in that one was when the figure appeared on the train bridge, like the eerie sky, the woods around it. It was just the setting of it. It created this whole atmosphere. It was amazing. Yeah, it was It was the right location for it. I mean, it would. <laughs> It works out perfectly for somebody to say, just drop this off in this random spot and then just leave. Don't yeah. wait for it to be picked up, you know, and then, you know, trying to find a the spot. Uh, that one was fantastic. Very eerie, old looking train bridge, like anybody's ever been there in like the last 25 years. Every town's got like one of those around, yeah. uh, around here. It, it was, it was, it was, it was the right spot. It was the right spot. So do you put any of your real life experiences into your films or is it just you just draw off modern situations. Uh, well, the coming project that I'm working on, it's called Renters. That has a lot of real personal ties to it. it it's my family's always gone to uh, the Jersey Shore since I was, you know, five. Uh, yeah. We were very lucky enough to have uh, my my grandparents are were very wealthy and and they had, you know, my mom is one of six kids, so wow. they they bought they bought two houses on the shore in uh, Normandy beach, New Jersey. And it's, it's fantastic going there for forever. It's, it's a part of our lives. And when hurricane Sandy came, one of the two houses, the house that my family primary uh, goes to was condemned after the storm. So it had to get torn down and rebuilt. And the other house just had to get a little refurbished. So now you go there and there's the one house, which is five years old. It's, really it's a lot bigger than it used to be it's 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 built modern it's more looks more like a rental property yeah the other house looks like a home (laughs) it's like it's very because it's the same house that's been there since like you know god knows the 1940s or something like that um so you know i thought all right so that's a location i can use that's something i know really well and i know the area and i know that you know we're rent we're not renters We, we we go there during the summer so we're different but when all those renters come down for their weeks. Uh, yeah. You know, some of the locals in the area, they're not, they like, they like the money, but they're not the hugest fans of the whole <laughs> scene. So I'm like, how can I make a dark twist on that? So I wrote a script and now that's what we're working on. So this one has a lot of, a lot of personal ties to it for me. 
Yeah. Um, even in, in some of, in some of the, the, the writing and the locale and stuff like that. Uh, the other one so far, not a lot of real personal stories, uh, luckily, because there's not a lot of great stuff that happens there. Although I suppose the Jets one, the Jets one is the one that is the most close to home. Yeah. That one, well, I can, I can see behind like, you. Um, You've got the Jets um, behind you and on your hat. <laughs> and I'm wearing the hat right now. That's only because it's the only hat I have anymore. Um, <laughs> that one's got a lot of, per- that, yeah, that one does have a lot of personal ties to it, but I had to, I had to make sure because every, every, and it's not just the Jets, it's any sports team. Yeah. Any team that you're passionate about when, when they're terrible, it's like, you know, and they make awful decisions over and over again. You get to the point where you're just like, it's like you're in a relationship and you just can't, you can't leave. Yeah. But you want to, you just got it. You, you, you know, you have to, and you could do better, but <laughs> there is no leaving. You are hooked. You're in there for life. I loved it on that one where she finally realizes what he was talking about. And she just hits him with the pillow. And she's like, I've had enough. Like, why do that to me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's happened. Not that exact thing, but that's happened to, to just about anybody where you're watching, you're watching your team get uh, destroyed. And, uh, you know, uh, your significant other starts asking you questions about stuff that we're trying to, you know, yeah, my wife would always say, it's just, it's just a game. And it's like, oh my God, but it's not just a game. <laughs> Me, you understand? Um, so it's, it's, and that's something that, that a lot of, a lot of sports fans go through with people who aren't as super gung-ho into their teams. It's like, you know, to me, it's everything. Yeah. But to you, it's nothing. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I'm going to accept the fact that you're like, ah, just don't worry about it, man. They'll get them next year. Like, no, I've been hearing that for 38 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a sports fan, but I, I can't understand that. I, when uh, I'm really into a podcast, my husband's like, you know, turn it off. Come on, spend time. I'm like, yeah, but I'm really into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely it- taken a couple extra laps around the neighborhood to finish an episode uh, before <laughs> pulling up back home. Just because like, if I want to take it out and then I got to wait, there's like, Five minutes left. I got to know what's going to happen here. Let me just <laughs> let me just drive around for a little bit. See, I've done it when because I listen to podcasts when I'm out running. I can't run very well, but I try. I look like a talented <laughs> baboon running around. I'm like <laughs> holding my side with a stitch. I'm half limping. I'm bright red in the face, and I'm laughing like a maniac. <laughs> but I will like go round the block if I'm nearly finished. <laughs> You got to finish it. I mean, listen, you know, I, I, th- I think that that's a good trait. You know, we are not quitters. All right. We no. finish what we start. <laughs> Has there ever been a time on set where everybody's just cracked up laughing and it's been, you've had to like just stop filming for a little bit while everyone calms down? Um, no, pretty much everybody's been good about holding it. And once <laughs> we're, we're cutting, it's getting good. Of course, if there's flubs and mistakes and stuff like that, then. <laughs> Then, of course, everybody starts busting out laughing. But generally, uh, the most recent one, the Santa one, uh, yeah. Merry COVID Christmas, that one, you know, after every take and we stopped, like, we all lost it every single time <laughs> because it was, they, the both the actors did so fantastic. <laughs> and it was like, as soon as, as soon as we, as soon as I called cut, it was like, <laughs> the whole, the buildup of laughter trying to just get through it. I mean, we just, everybody just lost it every time. How much did you laugh when you used, when Santa got the candy cane around the neck. Oh, that's why. That's one of the reasons why that had to be a, a second, a different kind of shot where it wasn't. I had to because as soon as he let go and walked away, and he said the uh, the 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 fucking Chinese thing, uh, like I have, I had to cut because I lost it. I lost it because that was an ad lib by uh, by Frank who did a fantastic job, and 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 it wasn't in the script but it was like perfect it was perfect it worked out fantastic it was just like oh my god 
I was not expecting it. I, I lost it immediately. So luckily, we were able to get better takes uh, when he used that the second time uh, and third time. But uh, the first time, the take was unusable because I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the guy that keeps it together, but what can you do? Have you kept all the bloopers from all your films? Uh, I have most of them, yes. Most of them I do have. I have not put together any uh, blooper reels as of yet. Although, you know, I think on this next one, I probably will on the on the bigger project. Yeah. Um, just because there's going to be a lot more. I want to have a lot more, you know, content for it to, to push it. Because it is going to be something I'll push it more into festivals and stuff like that. Um, but no, not too many. And I, I, the other problem is uh, storage. You know, I shoot all of these things yeah. on my phone. And, uh, you know, I, I have a decent sized cloud up there with uh, stuff, but I also have a five-year-old and a wife. So a lot of our pictures are uh, <laughs> taken. So, you know, these files are not super small either. So usually as soon as I have everything done and cut and edited and it's posted and it's it's finished, then as soon as I'm getting ready for the new project, I go through and get rid of a lot of the other stuff. But um, yeah, some of the bloopers I have sent out to some of the actors just so they can see because they're, they're, they're great. They're great things to see. So what inspired you to become a filmmaker? Well, you know, I've always I've always loved movies, even since I was a little kid. Like I could watch the same movies over and over again that I really love and, and it yeah. doesn't bother me. Like some people watch a movie once and like if they ever see it again, it's almost like they're personally offended if you try to watch it. Like, no, I've seen that before. So I well, yeah. okay, sorry. So when I was in college, um, I had uh, two roommates. One was a film major, one was a TV major. And so living with those guys and working on some of their school projects that they were doing, you know, I participated, I acted, I, I helped on, you know, set carrying stuff around, helping, you know, I did voiceover, stuff like that. That really sort of piqued the interest a little bit, but uh, I never did anything about it because I had you know, no balls, essentially. I was very, I was afraid of any sort of rejection or failure for a long time. Um, and um, I'll bring up Phil again, because then I met Phil when I worked at uh, a restaurant with him. And he's a was a comic writer. At this point, he was still in college, but him and his best friend were aspiring comic writers. They had all kinds of great ideas. So he and I started going back and forth about an idea about a cartoon about working in a restaurant. And we liked it. But again, we never did anything because I was... 28 he was 22 it's like we're gonna sit down and write get lost no chance you know let's go let's go get beers um and then and then covid came. and so phil i work in the restaurant industry so i was still working full-time phil does not so i started talking to him a little bit and he started doing all this comic writing and pushing and pushing and pushing and and making connections and getting stuff published and i was like you know maybe let me just write something I wrote two scripts. I wrote What to Do in Tonight Tonight. I sent it to Phil. He loved them. Um, I said, let's make one. And then we made What to Do. And then after I made that, uh, it was it was hook, line, and sinker. I was, I was hooked. I was, I was done. Uh, there was the no way I wanted to stop doing it 100%. I was totally addicted to it. And, uh, and the funny thing about the Tonight's the Night, the, uh, the Dexter one, I had the idea for that whole thing, you know, I don't know, 2005 or six when that show was on the air and I was watching it. The first iteration was on the air and I was watching it. And, and I always thought that would be like a perfect Saturday Night Live skit if, if he ever hosted Saturday Night Live. I'm like, they should, this is perfect. This would be ideal. Um, I don't, I don't know if he ever did, but they certainly did not ever do it. So I was like, let me write it down. And then, you know, we tried it and I am no Dexter Morgan, but. I think I did okay uh, on that one. <laughs> you did. And what does your family think about it? I know you said you've got a young son and you've got your wife. Does she tear her yes. out at you or is she quite supportive? Uh, she's like, She is quite supportive because I've, I've been able to make everything I need to make. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is, uh, this, 
as somebody who's been married for 10 years and, you know, I've known my wife for God, about 20. She was my best friend. Again, restaurants, we worked together. We bartended <laughs> together for a long time. We were really good friends before we became rom- romantically involved. So she is very supportive, uh, you know, but also, you know, there's, there's give and take, you know, I know there are limitations to stuff that I can ask for and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be like, all right, so I'm going to, uh, you know, Virginia to shoot for the next week. See you later. You know, it's, I'll try to plan stuff around my normal days off. Yeah. Uh, I'll do my very best to try to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm working 53 hours a week in the restaurant industry. I'm, I'm gone all day. When I work, I'm leaving the house by nine, 10 in the morning and I'm not home until nine, 10 at night. So that's, that's five days a week where she is the only person here taking care of our, our son. So yeah. I know that that's a big, big, big deal. So I try to do as much as I can to try to not infringe on time when I can be helping her out with that. Um, yeah. Even to the point of like, you know, if I'm shooting something on a Sunday when I'm not working in the morning, uh, I'll try to get like my parents to come down to help watch my son so that, you know, my wife can go and, and do whatever it is that she needs to do yeah. to make sure that uh, uh, she doesn't kill me, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's important. I think any husband should listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it served me well. I am still breathing. <laughs> Maybe you should no, do it. She's a, wonderful. She's you should wonderful. do a film on that, on the uh, the husband's balance. <laughs> uh, there's... Not to be killed. There are some ideas that have uh, having to do with uh, husband and wife. I, there's there's a whole little another little short series I'd like to make at some point just about some of the things that that happen in relationships. Like for I'll give you the I, I, my wife and I have a, a game we like to play, and some people think it's a little a little dicey. Right? Okay, we call it top five, and so right. it's the top five things that I hate about you right now. And so for <laughs> me, it's always. It's always, she's the way I eat. Apparently the way I eat is very, the way that I, I don't snore, but the way I breathe while I sleep drives her insane. Um, when I don't think I heard her and I confirm it back to her and it's the same thing. She gets very upset about that. Like the other day she was like, have you seen my phone? And I was like, what's what your phone? She's like, yes, my phone. I, don't know. I wasn't confirming that that's what I, that, um, so that's, that's a, that's a game we play. So I'm like, I felt like, you know, we can do something. I can make a short or something about, about that yeah. and, and just have them go through this and then flash back to the moments that actually are the top five and stuff like that. It could um, be a game show. Like those five actually, things. It's, I, yeah. the, the meter just keeps going up and up and up. And if you get to that top and the bell rings, that's it. You're gone. <laughs> that's right. That's not, you know what? That's not a bad idea either. A game show. Well, my name in the credits. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You guys, I'm getting myself out there everywhere. I'm like a bad smell. <laughs> so where would you like to see your filmmaking go in the next five years or so? Well, obviously, uh, I just want to just keep getting, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, as far as the production scale. You know, like I've the longest I've done now is about a six minutes, the longest yeah. short I've made. The next one is a bigger step up. It's probably going to be about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. I don't know. Um, oh, wow. Depends. Um, and then and then from there, start to, to build on the scale of the actual production. Um, you know, this one will have some effects to it. We'll have, you know, a, a much different kind of setting. I'm going to have some different, more equipment to make it a little bit more um, you know, help with the sound, help with the, the lighting, all that kind of stuff. So continue to just slowly step up. And you know, I just ideally what, what would be the dream is to, you know, season and that be what I'm doing yeah. to pay for all my bills and stuff like that. <laughs> um, if the worst case scenario is 
Uh, I do this as a hobby for the rest of my life and it makes me very happy, then that's great too. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'd be lying if I, if I said <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hope that somebody came like, Hey, here's a, here's a hundred million dollars. Go make a movie for us. I mean, <laughs> that's obviously anybody who's ever thought about making a movie has wanted to do that. So, well, you know, uh, my, my fee is 1 million pounds sterling. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, okay. um, what film have you seen that you wish you could have made? Oh, wow. That's a great question. That is a fantastic I'm, I'm hitting them hard here. <laughs> you know, I, I'd have to really think about that because that's like, now I have to think of a movie that story, but I yeah. didn't like the execution. So that's, that's an interesting question. I have, I have, I have to, I would have to really think about that. I'm going to, can we circle back on that? Oh, um, hell yeah. I'm going to keep that <laughs> marinating in the back of my brain there and see if I can, can, can see what that would be. Wow. That was a good question. See, I'm a reader and I love to read the books before I see the film and it drives uh-huh. me insane because there's a, a few films where they've done the book justice. I mean, the mm-hmm. Harry Potter saga was amazing, but there's some films that just don't hit it right. And I remember, you know, the Fifty Shades era. Oh, do I ever? Yes, I am. <laughs> Again, I'm married. So, yes, I know. <laughs> well, I, I did read that and I was, well, as everybody knows, I'm inappropriate. So I was sitting in the bus in a restaurant, anywhere public, with the book wide open so everyone could see what I was reading. I don't care. (laughs) And uh, when the film was announced, I was like, oh, wow, this could be amazing. And it just didn't have the chemistry. And it it was really annoying. And it was like, you you wonder whether they've actually read the book themselves. (laughs) Yeah. My wife wife felt the same way about those. She would have said, same thing with the Twilight movies. Oh yeah. She loved those books. She read them all like like so many times. Yeah. And then the first one, she was like, it's not bad. Then the second one's like, nah. And then after that, she was like, I'm done. She would yeah. still go for the night out. You know, yeah. her and her girlfriends would go and watch all of them back to back to back to back and bring little yeah. bottles of wine and sneak them into the theater. Um, <laughs> but you know, she she was like, nah, they're not good. She like, like she don't watch them now. She doesn't watch any of them now, but she'll watch other movies now. Yeah. It's it's mental. Like when I was watching that Fifty Shades one. I mean, in my head, I had the guy from the Vampire Diaries, Ian Summerhalder. He had that whole dangerous look on him where he mm-hmm. had the piercing blue eyes and everything. And the actor that they've got, he's good in other things. He's a really good actor. But in this, he just didn't get there. And I, the female actress as well, she just wasn't the character in the book. And it was so, so disappointing. And that's a tough thing that you bring up about reading a book and then go seeing the film because you create the whole character (laughs) in your mind. Like, and even if you like everybody, I don't know about you, but I always end up thinking of actors if I'm reading something because I'm thinking like, this is somebody who could play this person. Um, And then when they they announce it, and if it's nothing, what you're thinking, you're already, you're like, like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is not, this is not what he looks like. This is not what Edward Cullen (laughs) looks like to me. (laughs) I was a bit disappointed as well in the very end when in the Twilight series, when they did Renesmee and they kind of did that, it was like an effect. They kind of merged the faces together to create their daughter and it didn't look real. No, it is disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I was, I was looking at that and I'm thinking, oh no, that's what age progression looks like. Bad job. Yeah. 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 That don't look good. How did, no, how did nobody be like, wait a minute, hold on guys. We're not really doing this one, right? Can we, can we, it would have been better off just putting like a doll, just a baby doll in there and leave, leave it on for a half second. But that was, yeah, 
I've I've only seen of that movie because my maybe perhaps my wife was watching and I was you know reading or watching something else <laughs> on my phone or something like that. But yeah, I can I can recall seeing that that baby a couple times and being like, whoa, yeah, weird. What scene? Here's another hard question for you. What scene would you have loved to have been in? Just mm. a scene. Oh man! All right, so probably. My favorite movie of all time is The Big Lebowski, but yep. without question. And I would have loved to have been able to, to be somehow involved in the scene when Walter Sobchak shows up at the bowling alley with uh, his uh, ex-wife's Pomeranian dog and takes a gun out on the lane over a dispute over a scoring error between him and the other team. Uh, that scene, it's so it goes from being so mild-mannered to really high stakes. And yep. right back down to super calm. I'm just like, I would I would have loved to. And I mean, John Goodman in that movie is just, he should have won an Oscar for his acting performance in that movie. I don't care. He's, it's like one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Is he totally destroys that character. It, that was an amazing scene. Mine is, um, you'll be able to tell the movie just by what I say. He sits on a rocket and he said he likes to feel the power between his legs. Oh, strange love. Yeah, that's a... That's a good oh one. no, That's the one with the end of the yeah. movie at the end of the world, Armageddon. Oh, Armageddon! I'm thinking <laughs> of, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Doctor Strangelove when when he <laughs> off the plane and is swinging his hat on the on the nuclear on the nuclear missile. Oh, Armageddon! You like Armageddon, huh? Yeah, yeah. I do. The only thing is, why did they not figure out that loophole? Why could they not train astronauts to fix, well, to do the drilling? Rather than sending up drillers, yeah, to the astronauts. <laughs> yes, they could. They certainly, in real life, that's exactly what they would have done. They would have one hundred percent. No done. problem. Well, there's, there's, there's not enough time to teach them how to drill. There's enough time to teach them to become fucking astronauts <laughs> out of nowhere. I, I'm pretty sure if we were going to weigh out the time frame, you could teach an astronaut how to drill, either than teaching an oil driller how to be a freaking astronaut. Yeah. See, if I'd have been doing that movie, it'd have been, that's what their job would have been. And they've just kind of been disbanded and they're being called back to duty. But I bet they kind of wish they thought of that now. If you want to remake it, you pay me. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, I'm on, I'm on board with that. I'll, I will do, we'll, we could do it for half the money they had to pay Michael Bay to do that. Oh, no. As long as I get to be the one that's on the rocket facing the earth, you know. Done. I just, I'll I, sign I, off on that. <laughs> I love that scene. That scene to me was just like the best part of comedy was just a great big fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you met any budding filmmakers, what advice would you give them? Oh, uh, I probably all asked them for some advice as well. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because there's a, there's a guy who used to work for me that um, after I started, you know, uh, making my shorts and trying to pursue this, he started to follow suit. He sent me a script he wrote, which, which was really good, very intense, and he's been working hard to to try to make it. And I just I just kept telling him, we just push push forward and get the first one done. Yeah. Who cares if it's good? Who cares if it's not? Once you get the first one done, you're going to learn so much from that whole process yeah. that the next one will be easier. And then the same thing's going to happen. And things are going to go wrong, and people are going to drop out, and you know it's going to rain when you're supposed to film outside, and all these kind of things are going to happen. And then you just move forward. Yep. On the next week and then try to find the next day and then just just keep producing the content and you know you just got to push forward i mean there's never going to not be obstacles so you know the sooner you get 
that in your head that, okay, this is going to be, there's going to be a million things that are going to go wrong right now, but it doesn't matter because at the end, it's going to be what I envision. That's amazing. And to be honest, you could take that and give it into any aspect of life. It's just absolutely keep pushing forward, keep following that dream. And I mean, all obstacles are just experience points at the end of the day, really, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't learn much when things don't go the way you expect them to. Because yes. there's nothing to learn from that. But when things don't go right and you got to figure it out, you know, there's a lot of lessons you can pick up. from. Yeah. And it also enriches your filmmaking as well, because you can kind of think ahead and eliminate these problems in the next oh, yeah. movie before they've even a- appeared. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's happened every single time to the point now where, you know, I've I everything I've ever written or directed um you know i already knew everything that i wanted in my head and it was just me and like a couple actors so you know on the the next project i have coming up which you know there's a a eight person cast it's a much bigger bigger project yeah i'm like okay so like i need to make a shot list like i don't even know how to make a shot list like how do i make a shot list like you know i always just know okay this is what i see you're gonna stand here i'm gonna do this and then we're gonna go but i need everybody to know what I'm envisioning. Yeah. So luckily enough, um, one of the actors that I've worked with multiple times is on this one, Alex McKay, really talented guy. He uh, he and I got together and we went through the whole script together and I explained my vision and we figured out, you know, well, not figured out, he showed me the right way to put this stuff together so that when we get to, to shooting time, everybody knows what I'm expecting and what we're going to see. Um, yeah. It'll save us a lot of time and make it a lot more efficient. Is, it, is that so like they don't pass in front of the camera when they're not supposed to or they can be stood a certain way so you can get them no this is more so like okay so if like for this scene we want to get a mat two takes of a master shot so we get everybody in the scene from you know a further distance and then i want shots of this for this line i want shots of this for this line because in multiple in multiple projects i've done i've leading up to it i've been like i definitely want to do this this is what i want for this part and then when it comes to the day there's you know so many things going on I, it slips my mind i don't think about it and then i'm editing later and i'm like god damn it <laughs> I totally forgot to do that. So that's what I don't want to have happen. And it's going to be a lot easier for the actors if they know, okay, so the camera's going to be looking at this. This is what we're going to see. It's easier for them to get into it and know what it's going to look like on camera as opposed yeah. to, you know, it being in a three minute short where I'm like, you're going to run here now, you know? <laughs> Just go. Just go. It's fine. Yeah. We'll shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep rolling. Still rolling. Still rolling. <laughs> What's that feeling of when you go, cut? I've always wanted to do that. I ever, I ever was uh, directing anything. It was with my friends, so I had no problem saying cut whenever. Like you know, the guy would start, and I'd be like, "No, cut, cut." cut. <laughs> now working with you know, you know, real professional actors, you know, I've understood pretty quickly. Like you know, if, if it's really bad, I have to say cut. But it's also, it's not going to be really bad because these guys are pros, yeah. and I need to let it go because even if, even if how that scene started, it could have ended really well. And yeah. in cutting in between, you know, different shots, I, you can get stuff that you don't think you're going to get when you start rolling. And it's even, it's even better to. To, to to just keep rolling as often as you can because you yeah. get moments that that are unscripted that are that just happen that that work so well. That's like that is the case in a lot of massive movies as well, isn't it? That there's a lot of movie moments that were not planned for, but yet they are the most epic ones and they're the ones that you most like love. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh absolutely. Like my one of my favorite moments in the movie Goodfellas. <laughs> when Paul Sorvino slaps Ray Liotta in the face when he's talking to him about no more selling drugs. And that was not in the script. You know, Paul Sorvino just did that. Yeah. And you could see it when you when you know that story and then you watch it, you see the look on Ray Liotta's face and the <laughs> absolute shock in his eyes. But it works 
that scene could not have been done any other way. And But yeah. that wasn't there. So you got to let your actors do what feels natural to them because that's the way you're going to get the best performance. I'm sure that shows how good of a filmmaker and director you are then, that you allow them to have a little bit of input into your movies instead of just being like, no, this is my way and this is the way that it's going to go. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to that. There's one, you know, uh, most of these guys have been on more sets than I have. So... <laughs> If I walked in there, like I have the biggest ego in the world and I oh know everything and they're like, okay, let's see the shot list. And I'm like, wait, what's a shot list? Like, uh, <laughs> credibility gone, you know? And, and personally, like in, in everything I've ever, I've ever been successful in my life, um, it's always been in collaboration. You know, you can't, you can't do it on your own. Um, especially when it's something when like, you're not even on camera. Uh, yep. so you need, you need everybody to be bought in and want to, want to, want it to be as great as it can be. And the only way to do that is to let everybody have input. And even if, even if you don't end up using it, you know, just, just letting the actors, you know, be the character and, and do it the way they, they feel most natural and the way that they yeah. envision it. Um, you know, as long as my point gets across, then I have no problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I loved being in like, school plays as a kid. And when you're getting into a character, you try and envision yourself as that person. You are no longer yourself. You are that person. And, you know, my only uh, walk on the boards was as mustard seed from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And yeah, she was a flirty little fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you were splendid. I'm sure you did a fantastic job. Oh, well, then wings waggled its way across the, the stage. <laughs> <laughs> when we blew that fairy dust, it went everywhere. <laughs> has there been any times that you've encountered an obstacle in your life that filmmaking has helped you get through? Um, I guess, well, you know, I I don't want to call it an obstacle, uh, mm -hmm. but it was a, it's a different route that yeah. uh, we had envisioned in life. So my son was diagnosed with, with autism. Yeah. Um, at about a year and a half, almost two years old. And that was, you know, that was a tough blow because it's not something that, you know, it's one of those things that you just wish, you don't wish upon yeah. your own child. You just want, all you want is your kid to be healthy and happy. Yeah. And in reality, he is. And it's just a different path than we envisioned. Yeah. And I think that sort of influenced me into, you know, maybe looking at my my own life and, and maybe seeing a different path and, you know, yeah trying something that I always tried, wanted to do, but never really, you know, as I said before, never had the, the gall or the balls to actually go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe that's, they kind of go hand in hand. You know, it, it, it was around the time that I really came to grips with, with, you know, the autism for my yeah. son. And, and that's around the same time that I started doing writing and yeah. really, you know, thinking about trying to do, do stuff on this, on this side of, uh, of it. I think that's probably been the biggest influence on pursuing this. Yeah. Um, so again, I wouldn't call it an obstacle, just a, just no. a, a different route in life um, than we had, a, uh, you know, that, ever, that we were expecting, you know, but, you know, sometimes what you expect is, is not as good as what you end up having at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with autistic kids in the past. I'm an ex-nurse nurse, and it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just a different set of things to overcome. Normal kids give you things to overcome and autistic children do as well. And it's not a bad mm -hmm. thing at all because they are the most loving of children ever. But yeah, I can see how you've used your creativity to help get you thinking forward. And obviously that's going to help calm you down, which then helps you to deal with your child even better, which I think every parent needs because every parent gets that stress level and they're like, I'm going to blow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it really helps that you've got such a supportive wife as well. Uh, it's uh, I'm the support in this one. Uh, <laughs> she is she is uh, the most amazing mother 
basically it was like, uh, you know, we got the diagnosis and then it was like two days later, she was like almost an expert. Like she just dove head first in and was like, I'm she's, she's devoted her life to do whatever she can to make his life easier and better. Yeah. And it's, it's truly, it's, it's inspiring. She's uh, she's really incredible. Wow. That's amazing. So I hope she listens to this so she can hear that. Shout out to Mrs. Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) So my last question for you, DJ, is if you could see your family as a fictional movie family, who would it be? Goodness gracious. A (laughs) fictional movie family. Oh, dear. You know, no, that's a very, very, very good question. So I'm trying to think of my 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 first thought goes to like my my favorite like one of some one of my favorite movies, and it it doesn't apply, but it's just because it's probably my favorite movie family, which is the Royal Tannenbaums, the Tannenbaum family. But that is not a family to model after. Uh, there's some issues there. I don't know, man. You asked some tough ones. I gotta tell you, again, I'd have to I'd really have to think about that. I suppose it would have to be a family that you know is is tight knit. You know, yeah. is is not not in their own world, but but really, really close. Um, yeah. You know, even even my you know extended family. You know, we're we're not we're not super close in that we see each other all the time. Yeah. But you know, when when we do, it's like you know, it's like you never left. Yeah. Um. So I, but I don't know what kind of family. I don't know what <laughs> movie family I could think of. Man, you're you know the next time the next time I come on, I'm I'm gonna have answers to some questions that I did not have this time. So, but man, that's I'll, a tough one. I'm gonna have even more questions for you then, TJ. Yeah, I know this is gonna be a never ending <laughs> cycle. Is this your way to just to make sure I keep coming on? Because you don't have to do that. I'll still come on. Always. <laughs> oh damn it! You found out my secret. <laughs> well, I'd say if I could model my well in fact my family was a movie fictional family it'd definitely be the adams family because we're just a a bunch of oddballs (laughs) and we've all that one did cross my mind (laughs) i mean it depends on what time of day if you ring the doorbell i'm going to answer like lurch i'll be a midget version (laughs) you rang (laughs) sometimes i feel like morticia you know very very nice but dark still and then there's other times where i'm just like cousin it yeah yeah everybody that's that's usually the morning i'm cousin yeah Or maybe I'm more lurch in the morning. I'm definitely more lurch in the morning. Oh, I am yeah. not. I am not pleasant to be around in the morning. Uh, no, I need to have my cup of coffee. <laughs> I need like four before I can actually really start functioning. See, I can't. I can't do coffee like that. Caffeine. I can have it in small doses, not potent though. Because if I get mm-hmm. potent coffee, my God, I am like the uh, the squirrel on steroids off of like <laughs> animated movies. That's what I'm like. <laughs> oh man. I, you know what it is? All these years working in uh in the restaurant industry yeah. and the late nights and the fast oh, pace. Yeah. It's like I my I have been fueled by caffeine since I was 18. Probably not the most <laughs> healthy thing in the world, but but it's what had to be done. Oh well do you know what TJ this this interview's been amazing. I've laughed so much throughout all this. Oh this has been I'm so I'm so glad uh that you had me on. I can't I can't thank you enough. This is my first ever appearance on a podcast, hopefully not my last. It's not a podcast virgin anymore guys <laughs> that's right she popped the cherry folks <laughs> don't say that too loud the wife might hear <laughs> i'll tell her to just turn it off before they know it's over now it's just <laughs> so yeah i'm definitely gonna have you back on again let me know when your movie's out and we'll discuss that even more oh absolutely for sure so do you want to tell everybody your production company on youtube and where they can find you Yes, so uh, you can you can find it on YouTube channel. It's called Kiss It Goodbye Production. Um, you can find me on Instagram, tkiss2426, tkiss2426. Um, 
Facebook is uh, Thomas Kiss and on Twitter is TKiss24. That's an older one. So I was able to use the two numbers. So thank you so much for coming and joining me, TJ. I am oh, smiling like me. a Cheshire cat. Me too. This was a great time. Thanks so much. <laughs> and uh, you guys, you take care. I'll see you soon. All right. Look forward to it. I hope you found my conversation with TJ as interesting as I did. All of TJ's links can be found on my social media pages, which is Facebook at Podcast Official and Instagram and TikTok is at Podcast underscore official. If you've got a funny or inspiring story to share with me, please email me on officialpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave a rate review on and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and a recommendation on my Facebook page. These help my little podcast get to bigger audiences. But for this week, I've chewed your ear off enough. Watch out for the Billy Bullshitters and I'll talk to you soon.